what a great privilege it is for us to be able to reflect the life and the love and the light of such a majestic one. We greet you today from the sanctuary here. I told Carol before leaving for service today that <clears throat> I was going to church with mixed emotions. So happy to be able to be there, yet so sad for those who would love to be here and can't be here. But we know this, this whole ordeal that we've been dealing with is certain, certainly a mystery to all of us. But one thing we know is that our Lord Jesus knew all of these things that are going on and before the foundation of the world. Amen. Before there was ever a, a disease, a bad germ, or whatever more, he knew they would all be here, what time they would be here, and he knows when they're going to leave, too. So we can put our confidence in that, knowing that he's in control. Um, <clears throat> as far as what we will, my plans are right now to do for the service, I think we'll plan on streaming maybe again Wednesday night, and then maybe next Sunday, unless there's drastic changes in the numbers and all that folks that are being sick, I think we will come back together on next Sunday with uh, Group A and then Group B Wednesday. And then the next Sunday after that, we'll plan on everybody come back that wants to come back. If there's any changes in that, we'll certainly let you know. Uh, I think 300 and something new cases yesterday. Uh, that probably means for two days since more than likely New Year's Day wasn't open. So we want to certainly keep praying that God will just deliver us, not only us as a state, us as a nation. But as I mentioned to you several times, I'm hearing from people from Africa, not daily, but uh, several times a week, Africa and India, different parts of the world. And it's certainly taken a toll on many, many people. So we want to continue to pray for the mercy of God to be able to intervene on, on our behalf. And we know that he's mindful. No evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. That is his promise, and I believe that is true. And we certainly love you all, miss you so much. <clears throat> I believe if there's ever a time that we needed to be together, it's now. And Satan's doing everything that he can do to stop it, but he won't stop it. God will inevitably be able to move for us, and we will be victors. We already are. Uh, I know that many people are going through a lot, a lot of sad, difficult times. Holidays can be sad, much less folks uh, losing loved ones during the holidays. It just seems to make it worse for whatever reason. And uh, there's a lot of bad news, a lot of bad political news, a lot of things I hear in the world. But we are here today to proclaim to you the good news. Glory. The word gospel means good news. And we're here to tell you today Jesus is still king. He's still Lord. We are more than conquerors through him, and we're going to win. No matter what the world does, no matter how these things go, we are already conquerors through the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus. God bless you. Let's turn together, if you would, with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse um, 21. Carol and I would also like to express our appreciation and our thanks for all the nice cards that we received on the holidays and gift cards and food and gifts and things. Thank you so much for all of that. We appreciate it with all of our heart. Uh, different ones sending cards of them and their children and their families. And um, we, we so appreciate it so very much. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. <clears throat> 
We know the very reason that we could stand here today, as Harry has already said, and be able to express a life that is greater than ours, is because the Son of God, and when I say Son of God, I don't mean a human body, but I mean the Logos, the creation of God that was visible. When the Son of God came to the earth to become a Son of Man, by Son of Man, it is exactly what the title renders it, that it's someone in a human existence. So the Son of God, Logos of God, become a human being so that we could be able to receive the power, as John said, to become the sons of God. And the word become means come to pass. So it wasn't that we were goats and we become sheep, but we were thoughts and we come to pass. So to them gave he power to become the sons of God. This is what kenosis is all about. Ephesians 4.21, listen carefully as we read this, such profound scriptures. If so be that ye have heard him. Now here Paul is talking about the Lord Jesus. But remember when this book of Ephesians was written, it was written between 60 and 64 AD. Many of the people that would have read this book, and certainly us, uh, in 2,000 years after that it was written, how in the world could we have heard him? Yet Paul said, if so be ye have heard him. I want you to notice he does not say you have heard of him, but you've actually heard him. Praise be to God. Ye have heard him, and not only that, but you have been taught by him. I believe that God still has a God called ministry that is his voice. And they are actually reflecting the voice of God in so much that you are hearing from Jesus and being taught by him. How blessed we are. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now let me say it so you understand it. The truth is not in Happy Valley Church. The truth was not in William Branham. The truth was not in Paul. The truth is in Jesus. Now, every one of us have a portion of truth in our lives today, but none of us can say honestly that we are the truth. There's only one person that we can say the truth was in, and that is Jesus. Now, notice then he goes beyond the Godhead, <clears throat> the personification of the Godhead in the Lord Jesus. And then he comes over to us in verse 22. And we may not get it today, but let me just give you a little um, preview of it that I believe every attribute of God was actually a part of the Godhead. Now, many people think the Godhead is one being Many think it's three. Some of the poor blind message people think it's two. But actually, the Godhead is the greatness of everything that he is. 
And children of God are actually attributes of the Godhead. Listen to this, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, this is what every one of us were. Conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24 says that you put on the new man. So it is the putting off of the old and the putting on of the new. But there is a procedure by which we come to this, and that is through the renewing of our mind. And I hear the prophet say it in souls in prison now, let the mind which was in Christ Jesus be in every believer. Now the mind is the soul. And he said, that's the part that we're looking at today. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How many would like to be remembered today? Visible and those of you that are streaming, let us bow our heads together if you would. Lord Jesus, we love you so much today. We are so thankful, Father, even in these difficult times that we're able to meet how I appreciate the musicians, the deacons, Brother Louie, the brothers in the audio booths, the sound booths, the video booths upstairs, those that are in charge of the streaming, those that are willing to come and do special songs for us. We're so thankful that we can have these times together. Lord, we're asking you for a special intervention today on our behalf. We know, Lord God, that we can only do so much, and we appreciate the efforts of those that have come together to make the service possible. But we're asking, Lord, that it would be beyond our ability. Would you come, Father, and in a special way minister to the needs of your people? I know the needs are so many, but Father God, we could add all of our needs together plus all the needs of our brothers and sisters from Africa, plus all the ones from India, plus all the ones from China and Japan. We could go the world over and add them all together and compare them to your greatness. It would be like a drop of water falling into the vastness of the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Mediterranean, all the waters, all the rivers, all the oceans, all the ponds, all the heavens, all the atmosphere, and it would be compared to nothing according to how great you really are. Father, you know that we're living in a needy time. God, I'm asking you for your children. Lord, we have so many folks dealing with so much sadness and death and, Lord, just sadness because they can't come to church and sadness being disappointed by people and all kinds of various things. But, Lord God, we bring all of our burdens to you today. 
And we cast them on you, knowing that you care for us. Would you speak to us today, Father, and give us that strength that we need in the name of the Lord Jesus. Brothers, would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know the new birth is something that probably in the denominational world is talked about more than any other subject. It's something that is referred to more than likely, more than any other subject. They would call it the new birth, the regeneration, the accepting of his atonement, his death on Calvary, his mediatorial work. They would refer to it in so many terms and in so many ways. And what makes it to me so sad about all of that is that of the millions who talk about it, preach about it, write songs about it, of the books that have been written, pages and pages, both in paper and in web pages, that have been written about the new birth. I wonder how many of those authors and those studious theologians have the first inkling of what it's really all about. And then out of those who would be able to study it, and no doubt many of them would have far greater ability than I to be able to put it together and be able to make it in such a mesmerizing way that we would think, wow, how profound that really was. But we know it's not how great we can actually put it together, how great we would be able to describe it, but actually the new birth is capped off in a life by whether or not we have it. We could have all the scriptures, we could study the Greek and the Aramaic, we could go to the Old Testament types and shadows and think how great it is, and we could have song after song and sing about it, but yet all of that really is of no value at all unless we have experienced this mysterious thing called the new birth. Now, we cannot really know our position in Christ Jesus until we find out where we are. And we know how it is. I've made reference to it before, and no doubt will again, that if you enter into a shopping mall somewhere and you're not familiar with it and you enter the east side and you're looking for a particular store and they will have a sign just a few feet after you've entered inside the east entrance and it will let you know First of all, you are here. Then you'll be able to look down the directory and alphabetical order and you'll find Belks and Dillards and Pennies and so on and so on. And you will find the particular one that you are looking for. Then you can look at where you are and you can look at where you need to go. 
and then you begin to chart out your journey. Now you can go the long way around and you can go to the north side, come up to the west side and come around to the south side or you can more easily and more readily go from the east side, go out, swing a right, go down through the certain, certain loops and pass around and go into the south side. It all depends upon how you want to make your journey. Now, through the election of God, we know that those whose names are on the Lamb's Book of Life, it is inevitable they will start the journey in this element called time. It's the only element that we know by senses and by reasoning and by human understanding. As we are first birthed by the power of God, and it's like we come out of the womb of the morning of time. And then we start looking around. Can you imagine if each of us would have had a little bit of a prelude before we would have come forth from our mother's womb? And somehow in the darkness of the shadows of our mother's womb, and all we knew was this symbolic liquid that was around us and this cord that was attached to us, and we heard these peculiar sounds and pop, pop, pump, pump, and we were able to hear loud sounds on the occasion, and an hour before we began to come forth and move down into the birth canal, we would see through a small video screen, and we would take a preview of what life outside the womb would be like. And we would be able to break in just for a moment and see. Now in a little bit, you will start feeling this strange feeling as it starts moving upon your body. Your head will feel squeezed and your organs will start entering into a fast pace. You are now entering the most dangerous time of your life. You have been safe. You have been secure. But this is a warning to you. You could die. You could come out head first. The cord could wrap around your neck and you could be strangled. If you do make it, we will give you a preview of what life is like on the outside of the womb. If you do come out and the nurse practitioner or the doctor, whoever more, grabs you and they swat you on the bottom and you begin to take the breath of life, then there will be certain things that will start moving inside your body. The fluid will clear out of your lungs and they will start wiping you down. Things that were not manifest in the womb. Once you are out on your own, if your lungs have not been fully developed or if you have certain problems going on inside of your body, they were hid while you were in the womb. But once you come out of the womb, they will start manifesting their self. You might have acid reflux. You might have palpitations in your heart. You might have certain things in your ears that are not right. They may have to rush you down to the OR and do surgery almost immediately because your faults, oh hallelujah, your faults were not being manifest as long as you were in the mystery of your mother. But now that you are born and you begin to breathe on your own, 
and you're out of that, then if you live through the surgery and you go through a week of life and you will start crying and you will start eating and you will start all this thing and you begin to see this and you're looking at this video of you as a baby and then six months down the road, this happens in a year and five years and 10 years and you're looking at it, what would we think as we were babies inside of our mother's womb and you might see yourself as a teenager and you might see yourself falling and in a car wreck and this happening and that happening and then you'd see that preview of your life as you come into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s if you live that long and you see yourself getting old and decrepit. You see Alzheimer's kicking in. You see you take half 15 pills of the morning, 10 pills in the afternoon. Appeal to get up, appeal to help you sleep at night. And here you are inside the mother's womb. I wonder, would you want to leave? Would we want to come out of our mother's womb and embrace this thing that we call life? Or would we be so afraid of the things, the uncertainties and the unknown of what lay before us that we would say, is there any way that I could stay right here where I am? Well, let us look at that in a parallel to the new birth. That as long as we as a seed of God, that counterpart of us is in the heavenlies, not manifested to link together with that which is given to us in our body. How much safer it is in the very mind of God than it is once it comes inside my body. In the mind of God, it can never fail. In the mind of God, it will never feel down, oppressed, weary. It will never come to a spot to where it feels like it cannot go any farther. But once it leaves him and comes into me and makes a union, comes into you and you brothers and those of you that are streaming this service, then it will start experiencing ups and downs and ins and outs. It will start feeling through the outside feeling of the flesh, strain and stress and weakness and humanity. It will start feeling disappointment in people. People that you thought were your dearest and closest friends or maybe even family members that would break your heart. Now remember the soul itself is exempt from feeling such things, but because the soul is buried in the third realm of us, it feels and it's able to detect and know when our spirit is down. We all know what that feeling is like, do we not? And we can sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus and our soul be so elated in the presence of God and in a little bit coming out from under that anointing, we can get a phone call or a text or an email or whatever more and we can hear bad news or disappointing news and our spirit drags us down. You understand, don't you? And it, our spirit is so powerful and has such an effect upon our body that our spirit can actually begin to affect our mortality. Some of the sickest I've ever been in my life was not when I had the flu. It was not even when I contacted COVID, but it was when I got so down in my 
spirit and I become so weary with my battles of life and the things that I was going through. If I would go to the doctor and they would scan me and they would do everything they knew to do, they more than likely wouldn't find anything. And I'm sick all over and yet I'm sick nowhere. But what is it? It's within my spirit. And because I am so connected by my soul, by my spirit, by my body, my spirit affects my body. My body in turn is the one who's able to bring me here or take me to the wrong place or help me to praise and worship God. I can lift my hands to that or I can sit and say, I ain't praising God. I ain't got nothing to praise him for. I'm down, I'm weary, I'm sad. Or the inside man can say, I need your hands, boy raise them up. You're going to do what I tell you to do. But as we look at this and we see that our soul coming from the very presence of God, safe, secure, in the very image of him who spoke it, yet it does not meet his desire, and that is that it would be manifested in a heavenly image of son of men. And God desired so much that he himself would move from the realm of eternal. Now look at the journey that God himself has taken upon his own being to condense sin, that he would come from this great invisible creature, now unto him that is immortal, invisible, the only wise God be power and dominion and glory forever. So God himself starts this journey toward the realm of tangibility, moving from invisibility into a realm of of visibility, and then he gives birth himself to what we would call his son, or the Logos. It is not another God or another being, it is a tangible form of the invisible God. That is the Son of God. That is the Son of God. In order for us then to come back into his image, that Son of God must years later become a Son of Man. And then he will return in the spirit form as Son of God, baptize his believers with the Holy Ghost and allow each of them in their season to be able to receive that thought of God unexpressed, unrevealed, but it will come into them and they got a little part of this when they took the breath of life when they were born. But because that old man, which was their first husband, had the dominating force over their life, their life, their soul, their nature, their body, their makeup, everything about them was filled with deceit. It was filled with lies and corruption. It was filled with everything that Satan wanted us to do, whatever he wanted us to do, we pretty much did it. And if God could have kept me, my original identity, in his protected stage as a baby staying inside the mother's womb. Now, I think surely I could answer for all of us visible and those more than likely visible as well, that even if I could have seen the preview of my life and I would have seen things that I would have done, I thought, oh my goodness, as a baby in my mother's womb, it would have frightened me, it would have terrified me. But ask me the question now, would I want to go back to be a baby inside my mother's womb and not live this life? No way. 
No way. Would any of you? Would any of you want to go back to your mother's womb and just live there and say, well, it's safer. It's more secure. I, I, I don't want to live that kind of life. No, I would say, absolutely. I'm glad I was born July the 9th, 1956. Have I had disappointments? Yep. And the most of them have been brought on by myself, just like you have. But have I been sad? I have. But I've also been very, very happy. Have I been down? I have. But I've soared in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that even angels can't walk in my shoes. Well, praise the Lord. I have been blessed by the presence of God. I was blessed before the foundation of the world. I was blessed when I entered the world. I've been blessed since I've been in the world, and I will be blessed when I leave the world. So I don't know how you look at it, but I consider myself a blessed person. Now, would I want to go back? Listen to me carefully. Would I want to go back to the state that I was in as I thought I, I was secure, I was safe, I was all? All there, just like you, my brothers was there, my sisters, and we was in the very thoughts of God. But ask me, would I want to go back to that state and bypass this trial of life which has brought to me my manifestation? I would not. You mean you would choose this again? I would choose this again. I came here without my choice, but now that I've lived this life, that I have come through what I've come through, if I could have stood there as an existent being and been offered the choice and the great video of my life and of your life and the greatness of God and I would have seen every fault, every mistake, every trial, every test in my life and then Father said, I want you to go. I want you to become immortal but I'll leave the choice up to you. You can stay here and be secure. You can stay here and not go through all that realm of mortality or you can go there. I warn you ahead of time. You will be sad. You will be lonely at times. You will feel disappointed. You will be hurt. I leave the decision totally up to you. Let me say to you today, I would choose what he chose because he wanted me to come here in this life and experience these things. Now even though Satan tries his best to get us down, to bring us all my all kinds of difficulties and make us so weary, yet in the spite of a pandemic, in spite of not being able to meet together and have church. Let me just say it to you. I believe the bride of Jesus Christ has victory today just like she had it before the pandemic struck in March. I believe the bride of Jesus Christ will come out of this on the other side with more victory than she's ever had. We're already seeing great things that God is doing. I'm so glad to be part of it. Oh, people think God ain't moving. Oh, yes, he is. The last service we had here whenever everybody was here, somebody sent me a prayer call to wear and pray over. I did. It was for a person that doesn't even attend our church that got a vaccine about a year and a half ago and it had made the person with places broke out all over their legs, open sores, they could not even sleep at night, and they were suffering physically. The prayer cloth was took from my body, give to one of the deacons, the deacon took it, give it to the person, they took it home, give it to their loved one, the loved one cut it in half and put one part on one leg, the other part on another leg. As soon as it touched the leg, the pain left immediately. The individual went to bed that night and slept 14 hours. They said they had never slept so 
along in their life. What is that? That's only one testimony of what our God is doing. Brother Darrell just happened in Virginia this week. A person in a coma, they heard the service and they said, I claim the promise of God for my loved one in the name of Jesus. And you know what happened? They woke up out of the coma. What is it? God is manifesting himself. What, what happened to us? We come out of the womb, out of time, into the realm of mortality and the mother earth, our body gave birth out of a predestinated seed of God. Oh yes, has it been difficult? It has. Will there be more difficulty? No doubt there will. But will we want to go back? Would I want to enter back into the womb before I existed as a thought and manifested on the earth? I would not. I would take the trials. I would take the tests. I would take the difficulty. Why? Because my father has a reason in me being manifested in this life and I am not going to disappoint him. I am not going to let him down. I am not stopping. Oh, Brother Donnie, ain't you about ready to quit? Quit? What are you talking about? We ain't ready to quit. We're ready to crank up like never before and say, get out of our way, devil. You're not stopping us. We're ordained to come through this battle on the other side. We're ordained to be the bride of Jesus Christ and absolutely nothing will stop our manifestation. Why? Because it pleases him. And if it pleases him to bring me through this, it pleases me that he can trust me. Hallelujah. Oh, my thinking of how this great mystery called the new birth. You know, I look at it and I think myself, Brother Louis, I wish every person could have the new birth. I wish every human could be transformed and brought into this great effigy, this image, this icon that God desires for his elect to be. But I realize that only his children can be able to bear that image. Now, Brother Joe spoke about it here Wednesday night about looking like his father. And no matter how much that uh, other men in the church here, other men would look at Brother Gary and say, you know, Brother Gary's a nice, handsome man, and look at that hair, hat all comes back, and boy, look at the, wow, I'd like to look like that. You'd never be able to do that just because you would want to look like that. And no matter how much, well, I, I think if I move in his house and be where he is, maybe that'll rub off on me. No, it won't you'll only be another mouse to feed. It won't rub off on you. Well, if I'll be around him and Sister Lona, maybe I could, maybe if I lived a week with Sam and then I lived a week with Brother, uh, Brother Joe and then a, a week with Brother David and maybe I would be more like Brother Gary. You still won't because his DNA is not in you. And that DNA, when it come together, the 23 chromosomes from the father and the 23 from the mother, that mother and father might come together and have my whole slew of kids. I know a man and woman in West Virginia that had 21. Same man, same woman, 21 kids. And yet, a couple of sets of twins, of course, but looking at the old ones and looking at the young ones, I mean, you could tell that they were siblings, but some of them didn't even look like they were kin. Why? Because the DNA and the chromosomes, the way they mix, the prophet said it was more of mystery to him than the virgin birth was. 
And no matter how much you'd want to be a Hera, or how much you'd desire to be a Hera, you don't get it because you desire it. You get it because you came from the Hera gene pool. So no matter how much we would want this one or that one or the other one to be a son of God or a daughter of God or to be the bride of God, the only ones that will be that is those that come from the divine gene pool of the Godhead in the eternal. Now because God is so loving and so wonderful, he comes and he offers to that whosoever will group. Now whosoever will, let them take of the water of life freely. Notice he does not say take of the image of God. Praise the Lord. He does not say whoever wants my genes can get them. That's not what he says. He said whosoever will take of the water of life freely. What is that? So you are given water to drink something which is not you. And it will give you life. But that's not who the bride is. Now because we come to this womb and burst out into this new sphere of where we are. Oh, how, how much value it has in coming from the very soul of God. A soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. You see, the nature that we received first was a worldly, carnal nature of the world. But that which is reborn in us or regenerated is the very nature of God himself. Oh, Brother Donnie, why are you preaching stuff like this? We're going through such hard times because you need to see who you are. This is what's going to help you through the hard times. Now, I can preach on sadness. I can preach on gloom. I can take a whole series on gloom if that's what you want me to do. But I figure we'll be more gloomy when I get done with part 185. So I figured I ought to preach on joy and happiness and how big he is and how wonderful he is. Remember when Job went through his great dilemma of life and God didn't come down and sit down and bring his hanky and have a pity party with Job. But God said, Job, where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy, God preached to Job a message of predestination to encourage him. Well, hallelujah. Now, what you notice here in Ephesians 4.24, that Paul says that you put on the new man which after God is created. Now, this word created is a word that is often used to denote the new birth because of the, even between the Greek and the Hebrew word, the way that it's structured together, of its great resemblance to the original act of creation. Psalms 102, verse 18. This shall be written for the generation to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. My, this ought to put a praise on all of our lips. Psalm 40, Isaiah 43, 21. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. So here is a generation of people, a people that are created by the spoken word and they are for the glory of God. This is why we say our lives are not our own. We are made for him. A person who lives a self, self-centered life does not have eternal life. Now they may say, I want to be 
a Hera. I want to live in a Hera's house. Well, let's start coming to church and saying, well, I want to be a son of God, so I'm going to go to church. Well, you might meet God in that church, but you will never be like God just by coming to church. Well, I, I'm going to take up God's way. I'm going to quit this and quit this and start this and start that. It's like moving into the Hera house to become a Hera because you say what they say and eat what they eat and drive to church in them and their car. You still don't become a Hera because you drive to church in their car. You don't become a child of God because you come to church. Well, I'm going to go on. You don't become a child of God just because you listen to Brother Branham every day. Well, praise the Lord. I know there's some in our, way, in our ranks that want to make the tapes the token. So they say if you play the tapes, that is the token. You are preaching blasphemy. There is only one token and the prophet of God never said it was a tape. It is the literal life of Jesus Christ. And when you make a substitution for the blood of the Lord Jesus, you're walking on dangerous ground. I don't care what your name is. There is only one thing that God accepts. It's not a tape, nor a tape player, nor a preacher, nor a church pew. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. Is that right, brothers? Notice this. So the image of God that is created in us, Paul says it is the, the new man which after God is created in image. Uh, what is it? It's something that God projects in us. So the divine image is then restored to the soul. So let's look at this one in three phase. That man was created in the image of God. Then he became defaced from the image of God and through Christ the Logos becoming a man, man is restored back to that image which was defaced. So he was in the original, in the image of God, then sin defaced that image. We still had traits and characteristics. Look at all the things that man can make today, all the great inventions of what he can do. In him is still the traits of that original man in the Garden of Eden. But the image is so defaced and so marred away from what God meant for it to be. But through the power of transformation, we are transformed back into that original soul image and we become a soulmate to God. Now, I personally believe in soulmates. Amen. This is why the foolish virgin will never be a soulmate to God because she does not have a soul which was in God. But the bride actually came forth from his existence. Oh, glory to God. Notice then, so man's first image, according to Genesis 1.27, man's first image was created in the image of God. So God created man in his own image, and notice it's not plural so there wasn't a man looked like God and a man that looked like the Son and a man that looked like the Holy Ghost but God only had one image and that was the image of the Son of God which was Logos that Logos chose to look like a human being. Now this is before a human being came into existence of course, but by the foreknowledge of God, God knew what he wanted men to look like. If God wanted, he could have made us all look like horses, but God didn't want to look like a horse. God wanted to look like a man. So God projected this image inside of Adam. So he formed and shaped Adam in a similar image of what Christ the Logos looked like. So God created man in his own image in the image of God created he him, male and female. All right, now remember, he was made in the image of God and he had two parts. 
male and female. So apparently there was this feminist something inside the eternal. And when Adam come on the earth, he bore the image of God, not just his eyes, not just his ears, not just his heads, but he was a dual being. Where'd he get that? From the original pattern in the original image. So God made Adam to reflect Christ. So what was in Christ? Masculine and feminist. Oh my. Notice this, then Adam's body was not created, but formed, Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So we were formed in God's image, then deformed from that image because of sin, but the new birth transforms us back into that original image of the soul. Watch this in Galatians 6, 15. For in Christ Jesus, Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Now, it's sad to say, but many people don't actually preach the new birth. What they preach is a remodel. A remodel. And a remodel is something that you go in there and you reform it and you change it and you, you know, you repaint it and you redo it and you, oh, well, I like the kitchen this way, but I don't like the bathroom there. And I want to change the staircase over to here, but it's still the same foundation. It's the very same old house, but it's remodeled. And this is why folks fall away and why they go right back to the hog slop they was in. Why? They're still a hog. They just ain't eating slop for a while. Now, whether or not you're eating slop or whether you're listening to tapes, if you're a hog, you're still a hog. And if that vomit made you sick when you was a dog and you eat it again, you think it's gonna be better this time? No, no. So it is the new creation. It is not something that God remodels that old nature and God will calm him down and, and God will, you know, redo this and change this and redo the drapes and, and change the carpet on the floor and take this red color off this oak and let's just make it a dark brown. What do you say? And we'll change the colors of the pews, but we'll leave them the same. Uh, and, and then we'll let this in there and we'll leave it there on that old sinful nature and we're just decorating that thing on the outside and make it so beautiful and so nice, but the snake is still in the heart. You see, it's the soul being created. It has its divine origin. I want you to notice that this is not something that man can do. It is created. None of us can actually take nothing and make something out of it. Now, you brother Job can build, brother Larry can take keys and do this and that and other. You other brothers and you the streaming the service can do all kinds of things and be able to, but you take something that exists and change the form into something else. But God takes something that's non-existent and breathes into it and makes it into something that was not. So the soul being birthed is not something you and I do. We don't work our way into it. We don't pray our way into it. We don't come up to the altar and beat on the altar until we go into a stammering lips in another term. No, but God himself creates it. Is that right? So it's commencement, it's progress, it's consummation is all by divine origin and orchestration. It's commencement. How did it begin? Well, I went up to the altar and I've done this and I made up my mind. Totally unscriptural. 
Totally unscriptural. You never done anything. Oh, but one day I said, I'm so sick of this. And what was it that made you said you were sick of that? It was the Almighty dealing with your heart. If it was not there, you'd still be out there doing what you loved to do years ago. Because there is nothing in man himself that would ever want to come to God. When Adam fell, he showed every man that would follow thereafter that he hid in the Garden of Eden. Is that right? And he hid from God and Adam tried to make an atonement by taking the leaves and then what did his stepson do? He brought fruit. Adam brought leaves, Cain brought fruit, Abel brought blood. Why? Because God revealed it to Abel. God revealed it to Abel. It was not fruit, it was not leaves, it was blood. Notice this in St. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. I love this word again, Brother Joe, you've probably looked at it. It is from above. Oh. So again does not mean the same man reborn but it means born from above. So the first husband was not from above. Now remember, these are the words of the man who first preached the new birth, the Lord Jesus. Except a man be born from above. Notice it also means from the first. From, oh my, the beginning, glory. From a higher place, a new and over again. Now, except the man is born from above, from the beginning, or from the first place. From the first place. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this word is, is a word that's, that's used all through the New Testament, or it's a root word, which is used there, when it comes to knowledge, perception, and understanding. And here the Greek word is, I do. I love that, I do. Jesus come by and said, will you marry me? And I said, I do. Except a man is born again, he cannot, I do. Well, glory to God. Except a person is born again, they cannot, I do. Don't you understand what makes the bride different again from the church? Oh yeah, the church wants him as their savior. The church don't want to go to hell. The church don't want this and that and other, but to be his wife, well, praise the Lord. Oh my. To be his wife means he is the head. Now, we're all brothers here this morning. You sisters can click off if you'd like to. And all of us men that are married men, we're the head of the home. And sometimes there's decisions we make. Our wives may not agree with. And there's decisions that we'll tell her, honey, I do this, do that, go here, do that. We're not doing this now. Well, I want to, I want to. I know, honey, but I'm the head of the home and I don't want her to do it that way. Now, there's times I'm sure your wife is a woman like my wife and every other woman and she may not agree with that choice. But yet when she said, I do, she did. Now that I do is real easy to say up here in front of all these photographers and all these pretty flyers and all them pretty songs that are up there singing. It's another thing when you're home and you got a I do, I do, I do, you see. So the church world, they don't want to go to hell. They don't want to be lost. But when it comes to saying I do and Jesus says, I don't want you wearing that. I don't want you listening to that music. I don't want you watching that kind of movie stuff. That, that, that's not becoming to my wife. Oh my, then the church gets off the bandwagon right there because they don't want I do. They say, I want. 
I want this and I want that and I want something else. But the real bride said, I do it because I love it. I don't do it because I'm in bondage. Now folks look at us and think, but poor old people, poor old people, they're in such bondage, they can't go get drunk, hallelujah. They can't smoke, amen. They can't get high on drugs, amen. They can't do this and you, and you feel sorry for us. You feel sorry for us. You poor people, you can't do anything. You don't have an idea. We are so free in Christ Jesus, we don't want to do those things. We don't do them because we're made not to do them. We don't do them because we said, I do. I give my life to him. I give my soul to him. I give my nature to him. I give my body. How do we do it? Because I see, I do. Except a man be born from heaven, he cannot, I do, the kingdom of God. Look at what it means. No perceive, notice, discern, discover, to ascertain what must be done about it, have an interview with, praise be to God. Except a man is born from above, he don't have an interview with the bridegroom. You see, the elect of God see. You say, well, I see this. I see that. I see that. Well, if you really do, it means you had an interview with that portion of God's nature that revealed that truth to you. You see, friend, this is why folks can walk away from the message of the hour and blast it and do all the nonsense that they're doing. Why? They've never really had an interview with the Lord Jesus himself. Oh, they can profess they're Christians and this and others. It's evident that they're not born again or they they would not fight his word. James said of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. If the word is your father, how can you fight your own daddy? Amen. If the word's your father, you'll love your daddy. Amen. Notice this, to have an interview with, to know, to get knowledge of, understand the force. Oh, listen to this. The force, may the force be with you. The force and meaning of something. Not just, a, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, right, right. And a lot of it's right there. But the I do releases a force of that something. And you do it not just because you're complying. We're not like the Amish or the Mennonites that we don't do here. We all wear black and we don't have cars and this and that and the other. That's not the way we follow this message. Some people do. That's all it is. It's only a higher state of the Mennonite church to many message followers, but it ain't to the bride. To the bride of Jesus Christ, she sees intertwined in this, laced in this is the very nature of her husband. She is sanctified unto him so she don't want to run around with the world she don't want no lovers out here in the world she wants her love her affection everything about her to be committed to the Lord Jesus she's born from above and this enables her with the force to say I do or I see it it's amazing that people for years have said Malachi 4, Malachi 4, Malachi 4, Malachi 4, Luke 17, all this stuff. And now they're fighting the very thing they stood for. You know why? They never I do it. Up here they thought they did. But when they found things in their mind they couldn't understand and things they couldn't put together and some of their greatest disappointments is to find out Brother Branham was a man. Oh, what a crying shame. 
I'm so glad the Lord had us to deal with this years and years ago. It don't shake our confidence at all, does it? My goodness, no. That's the only kind of prophets God has are men. He don't use angels. And I'm sorry, Brother Branham did not have a 100% recount for some of you that think he absolutely had to, oh, he told this story over here and he told this story over here and it's a little bit different. Uh Uh-huh, sort of like the stories you and I tell. Sort of, is there any brother here that'll raise your hand and say, you've got a 100% recount? Don't you do it. I'll cast that lying devil off of you. There ain't nobody here has got it, neither has anybody else in the world got it. Come on, saints. But why is it they are, well, I, I no longer see it. What you mean is you no longer I do it. So that's why they bob their hair. That's why they do this and that and the other. But the real bride of Christ is born from above, and therefore she sees, or I do, the kingdom of God. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot outdo the kingdom of God. Notice this in John 1 and 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become or come to pass. The sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood. Now remember this is of course, uh, the Jews are so particular about blood. So to them to be born of the blood of Abraham meant you were the chosen of God. But here the gospel is now changing that program, not the blood of Abraham, not the blood of Isaac, not the blood of Jacob. He's totally rendering that out. They are not born of of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. There goes your free moral agency. Just went out both them double doors right there. The will of the flesh or the will of man. Oh, glory to God, I made up my mind. Well, if you made up your mind, you'll probably make up your mind one day to walk away. But before I ever made up my mind, he made up his mind and my mind for me. Well, blessed be the Lord. Notice which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Oh my goodness. You mean these people are not born of their own free moral agency? If you believe the Bible. Can anybody please show me the chapter and verse where the Bible uses the terms free moral agency? Send it to me. This is what my Bible teaches about salvation. I'm not born of the blood of a Reagan or a Smith or a Hera or a Branham or Abraham. I wasn't born because my daddy wanted me to be born. I was born because God projected me out of his thoughts. I'm not born of the will of man. And when it comes to me being reborn, I'm still not reborn by my own will but of God. Well, praise the Lord. It is never attributed to man himself. Notice this in James 1.18. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. Of whose will? God's will. Well, hallelujah, I went down to the horns of the altar. Oh, baloney. You never went to no horns of the altar. God grabbed a hold of you by the horns, you old bullheaded thing, and got a hold of your heart. You'd still been out there drinking and running around. Some of you have been dead as you could be. Why, you'd have never give your heart to God, but of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Oh, glory to God, that we should be a kind of first fruits. Notice his own will. It brings him 
pleasure to give birth to his attributes. <laughs> this is why if I could go back and revert to the thought stage and the mind of God and I would say, Papa, what do you want me to be? Well, Donnie, I'll tell you what I want. I want you to leave my mind and I want you to be born in a corruptible body for years and years. You'll get stronger and stronger and you'll reach a place of vitality and use. After about 20 some years old, you'll start going down. You'll come up to your 30s and your 40s and boy, you'll preach and go and preach and go. And then when you get 50s, you'll notice a little bit of a slowdown. When you reach 60, you'll reach a little bit of a more. Can you brothers imagine me and Carol will be able to go on Medicare in a few months? Lord have mercy, somebody wake me up, this has got to be a dream. I never thought I'd been old enough to sign up for Medicare. <laughs> but yet, oh, you see, well you lose this and you lose that and you look at that, oh my, it's getting more discouraging the older I get. It's getting more discouraging, you lose a little bit of your sight, oh no, not my sight, and you lose a little bit of that memory. Oh God, I love my memory, Father, please don't let me lose my memory. And then you'll start losing your hair, you either turn gray or turn loose, right Brother Lee, you got both. So you'll, you'll, you'll start getting older and you'll get weaker and then you'll start to say something and all of a sudden that thought will just leave your mind and you stand there and wonder, what in the world was I gonna say? I see some of you younger brothers shaking your head on that. And, you, and you'll say, but Lord God, is that really what you want me to be? And then he would fast forward it over here and say, no, son, here, here, here's you in the resurrection. 20 years old for eternity. You'll reach over and grab a whole Carol by the hand, her back to 20 and you 20. You'll have to go through this to get your stature. You'll have to go through this to get your eye color. You'll have to go through this to get all of that. And you'll bear it, but it'll only be for a while. Didn't Paul say there in 2 Corinthians, if we bear all this difficulty, he said, but it's for a moment. This light affliction, this man had been beaten. He'd been whipped. He'd been, oh my, treated so awful. But in spirit of revelation, Brother Joe, he says, it's but a light affliction. And it's but for a moment. Can you imagine, brothers, when we're in eternity? If we would be able to remember and look back down this walk of life, and we live 65, 70, 75 years, it would be compared to eternity, all that stress, all that trouble, all that we went through, and it was like a moment. Now it seems like hours or days and days or weeks and weeks or months and months or years. It's because this side of the womb, it's so mysterious. But once we're reborn on the other side, we look back at the poop. I mean, that was my life. God, would you show me my life? They go, poop. I mean, that was it. That was it, son. But that little bit that you bore in that moment is bearing out an eternal weight of glory for you. So you lived one moment. I'll give you a hundred trillion years for that one moment. And that's just getting started. And then I'll give you a hundred trillion more for the same moment. You mean for one moment of my existence, you will give me eternity, eternity. So ask me. You can ask me now or when I turn 65 on July the 9th. Brother Donnie, would you still want to come? I would. Yes, sir. 
Would you still want to go through this life? Are you not mad at God because God didn't keep you young? No, there's things I've learned as I've got older. I should hear Brother Branham say that, that if you take your life and bring it up into those three increments, you know, from one to 25, or 25 to 50, or 50 to 75, go up there and say, I would choose that life. Think, why? Why would you choose that part? You don't have strength. You don't have the vitality. Now, I didn't think that whenever I was that earlier age, but since I've got this last pull, I'm certainly thinking that way. But I understand more what he's talking about because of your wisdom and your experience and the things you've been through. You can actually do more with less and accomplish more with less because we're young. Boy, we just run, run and do this and that and the other. And we're thinking we're doing so much, we're burning a lot of steam. But whenever you come down to that part, oh my, then you understand. Then if you was on this side and you look back and say, God, all oh, the trials, oh God, would you play out my life? And doop, that was a bleep. And you say, was, it, was the video messed up? He said, no, that was your life. Oh God, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a moment. Right. It wasn't even a moment. You're crying, you're suffering, your difficulty, the hardships that you went through in your life. Stand on this side now and look back. And for that moment, I give you all of this. For I reckon that the present sufferings of this life are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Are you willing to trade a moment for eternity? My goodness, where'd my time go? You didn't run the clock up, did you, Brother Eric? Let me close here. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. What was the Father's power of begettal that begot us naturally? The anatomy of God making a man and making a woman. The anatomy being different. God giving the ability within a man to break into the bloodstream and through the organs and so on that God gave him and pull life out and depart that life into his wife. A woman don't have that ability. So he is an instrument that we are begotten as a human. And what did God the eternal do? God took his own life through the instrument of the Son of God, the Logos. And the Logos reached into the eternal as it was and pulled out the very existence of your being with your name attached to it. And the truth becomes the instrument that we are begotten with. Oh, you might have heard a good gospel song. You sat there and cried, oh, oh, I love that old song, that old song. But if there wasn't truth in that song, you couldn't be begotten by it. So God chose truth to be the instrument that would break into God's eternal being and through truth God would issue life out of himself through truth and grab a hold of your seed and it would poof, it would birth your gene seed 
by the instrumentality of truth. It was a, not just a mere creative act, but truth was the channel or the seed germ. So truth is the agency from God that quickens you, your deposit. Notice this in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed. As much as my daddy loved me, your brother's fathers loved you. They could not stop their seed from being corruptible. They passed on to us our mortality. And the more we know about medical science and the more, you know, years and years ago, whenever you go to a doctor, they never ask you, oh, what about your parents? They have this, they have that, they have. But Erica, whenever she was born and having her kidney thing, every doctor that we went to, whether it was a man, whether it was a woman, whether it was a, a renal doctor, whatever more, they, one of the first things they want to know, does she have siblings? Well, yes, she's got a sister, Alicia. Well, did she have this? No, she does not have it. Well, what about your side? Does anybody in your family have it? Why? Because they've learned over the years that things are handed down from our parents, our grandparents, their grandparents. And they want you to do, a, we had to do one just recently for Erica's girls and we had to go back to on the paternal side and the maternal side. I had to contact my brothers and my sisters and their, their children and then on as far back as we could go so they could do a search to try to understand where, where did this come from? And you know, once they get it all done, what are they gonna do with it once they figure it out? Well, we figured it out. It come from here and there and there and there. Okay, well, we're smarter. Okay, well, help me with that smarts. But it don't. They just try to trace it back. But what does election do? Election traces you back before the foundation of the world. And what does it do once it traces you back? It gives you that source of power and life that even though you did not exist as a being, you were there in his thinking. And if he thought that much about you then, he's certainly gonna bring you through this moment of existence in time. Let's stand together, brothers. Praise the Lord Jesus. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Paul said in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And we say what, brothers? Amen. Amen. According to his mercy, he saved us. Now, this is the way he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Renewing. Renewing. Washing, which is lutron, which is bathing or a bath. What did he do when we were born again? The water of life coming from the Father's being, washed, bathed, loosed, loosed. What? That seed that was in you. When we talk about getting saved, this is what was saved. It was washed from that old union of that first husband. Glory to God. 
So God bathed you with what? The washing of the water by the word. By the washing of regeneration, which means new birth, reproduction, renewal, recreation. The production of a new life consecrated to God. A radical change of mind for the better. A radical change of mind. Folks who say they've experienced the new birth and have not had a radical change have not had the new birth. So they get their heart to God, they keep drinking, they keep smoking, they keep doing this and that and the other. They've not been born again. I don't care what they say. They have not had a radical change. Now put this all together. But according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regening and renewing. Renewing of the Holy Ghost? Renewing? How could you renew something you didn't have? Don't you understand the Holy Spirit of God is God's own life in you. And the image once created was renewed. Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the rhema, the rhema. Glory to God. Let me just read you a quote, can I? Brother Bram says, when you met God, you had a spiritual, scriptural rather, experience. God changed your life completely. Not, you're not this, just the same person, just rebuilt, polished over, but you're a new creature, a new creation in Christ. But how do folks, most the majority preach the new birth? You're forgiven of that old life by this nature. And that nature come to this process of whatever they think it is. And it just lives in you. You replace some broken windows and you recalk and you paint. And, you know, you, you, you put on a decent length of dress and your brothers take your necklaces off and you know, you take your earrings out of your ear. You don't get that hole stopped in your ear just in case you want to go back to that old thing. And you, you straighten up a little bit. and uh, you, you, you come down from drinking vodka to just a beer every now and then. Uh, and and you're, you're a Christian. That's a modern Christian. That's a modern Christian. So you still hang on to your country music and your rock and roll and all this and that and the other. But then in time, that old snake goes to hunger and craving for all them things, and he raises up his head. Why? The power's not been released. The force has not created in you a new being. And you become discouraged, disheartened. It's sad to say, but COVID has not only taken people's lives, but COVID knocking people out of church. There will be people in our church that will backslide. There will be people from our church and other message churches that COVID will take a toll on their spiritual walk with God. Why? They wasn't born again. If you're born again, it holds against COVID. It holds against the flu. It holds against death. It holds against everything. 
because you are a new creature in the same old house. Praise God. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus. Fathers, we stand today in your presence. Lord, I'm so grateful to know that we have passed from death unto life. We know, Lord, whenever a person down here dies, what we call die, that we have chosen in the last, how many ever decades, to use the word pass. Well, brother so-and-so passed. So-and-so passed. It seems to be milder, easier, than saying they died. But Father, we know in the spiritual sense, when we are born again, the old man has passed away. The love of the world has passed away, and all things become new. Lord, it certainly brings sadness to our hearts when we think of the toll that COVID has taken on even some saints in our assembly. Brother Gene Lehman passing beyond the curtain, and Lord, our hearts break thinking about it. But yet, to us, we look at it and think, well, you know, why would God let a person go by COVID? Or, well, to you, Father, the channel by which they go doesn't really matter, whether it's COVID or a heart attack or TB, or they go to sleep that night and they never wake up in the morning. And Father, I know of so many pastors and preachers from Africa and India and around the world that have passed during this pandemic. And it proves to us, Father, that as your people, we are not exempt from such. But it does not mean you love those people less than those that came through it. You healed them or those that have never contracted it. All we can say is this. It must have been their time to go. And you just chose to let COVID be the way they left out. And if they could look back now that they're in that sixth dimension, Lord, I've still got the text on my phone from Brother Gene Lehman. I've still got the video, Lord, that was taken of him when he was there in the hospital and that was sent to me by his family. Still got pictures. And just a week or so ago, pulling it up and looking at him and trying to imagine in my mind what he must look like now. Lord God, if he, Brother Jeff, Nunley and others that have passed, Lord God, if we could look beyond and they could look backwards into that moment of time, it would seem like it was so little and so fleeting. Lord God, and now they're in eternity. Jesus, help us each one. There won't be a one of us missing that day, Father. How many of you, visible and invisible, say with all your heart, you want to be there more than anything in the world. Lord God, I raise my hands, Father. Lord Jesus, now that I'm an old man, I don't know how many more years I've got, but however long I have, I want to live them faithfully. But Father, if I would be taken from today, 
And I could look back and the question would be placed to me, would you do it again? I'd say, yes, sir. I'd do it all again because I saw your glory manifested in my life. I saw your keeping power manifested in my life, your peace, your joy. It helps me to understand the reason of my existence, Lord. I'm not here just to pass time. If I go by the way of the grave, it'll only be a matter of years till a lot of people will forget I ever lived. Oh, some of my sermons may live. Some of them may be played for a time after I'm gone, but the church will have to have a new pastor. They'll change and start looking to that man. And Lord, I'll be forgotten. My family will remember me. And then, Lord, I'll only become a, a faint memory. Before long, my children, my grandchildren, won't even be able to remember my face without a picture. Because time will blur that image in their mind. But Lord God, if I've lived my life faithful, when I come out on the other side, and this blur of a moment goes before me, and then you'll turn and say to me, enter into the joys of the Lord which were prepared for you before the foundation of the world. I'll be so glad that in this moment I gave you my life. Lord Jesus, we worship you today, Father. We are part of those people who are created to bless your name. I have been created to magnify Adonai. My moment of existence was breathed from the breath of the Almighty to bring adoration to your great name and purpose. It gave you pleasure that day that I was born, July the 9th, 1956. It gave you pleasure for my moment of existence to begin. Lord God, may all the days of my life render you that continuing pleasure. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I won't leave behind wealth, fame, or fortune. My name, Lord God, will never be heralded from the White House. Oh, a few years ago, it showed up in the who's who. and I got an invitation just past week to put my name and my picture in the who's who, but I figure I'm already in your who's who. That's the one who really counts. Oh, Jesus, may every man, woman, boy, and girl who hears this service, may they find their existence in God's who's who. In there with Moses, Joshua, Zechariah, Jeremiah, Jesus, Paul, Peter. May you be pleased with our lives, Lord God. We love you, Jesus, with all our souls, all our might, Father. Forgive us when we complain in this moment of existence for what you allow us to go through. If we could only see, it's bringing to us a greater weight 
of eternal glory. It's amazing how Paul uses those metaphors. And he compares our moment of existence and how it's in a scale. And somehow that moment of existence of trial and test and purgings and molding over in the scale of eternity, this little drop in the moment is in one side and somehow in eternity it's tipping the scale and producing for us an eternal weight of glory. How is that possible? How is that possible? Oh, Jesus, we worship you, Lord God. I bless your name today, Lord. Can we just raise our hands, brothers, in this visible audience? In your home, in your car, you in France, in Switzerland, all over the provinces of Canada, in Guyana, South America, Honduras, Brazil, Venezuela, wherever you are around the world. May the presence of the Lord Jesus, may the great first and original true force be with you. Hallelujah. To help you see the reason of your existence. What if your trial that you're going through, the pain, the suffering, the difficulty, would be to allow you to post something that would help encourage another saint of God and that suffering that you're going through in this moment of time is bearing for you an eternal weight of glory and that little moment of existence tips the scales, of course, added by grace and mercy and it just whew, throws the scales plumb over into eternity. And that one trial will bring to God tremendous glory. And you will be rewarded for eternity as long as it exists. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we worship you, Father. Bless your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just take a few moments and worship him there now? No matter what your plans are this evening, whatever you've got in your mind for lunch and thereafter for the rest of the day, we are the people who've been created to bless his name. I know it may be hard for us to comprehend but angels can only stand in awe as praise comes from the lips of a redeemed subject. As we sing of amazing grace, and he looked beyond my fault and saw my need, and amazing grace will always be my testimony. They have to stand there and hold their peace as the ecclesia of God sing the songs of redemption. For we bring to Adonai this phase of his glory which angels can never touch. For me to be able to stay here today and say it with an honest heart, I am redeemed. I am saved. I am delivered. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. An angel cannot stand in heaven and raise his hands to God and say, I am filled 
with the Holy Ghost. But I can. I can. You can. We worship you, Lord Jesus. I bless your holy name. I worship you, Lord Jesus. Can we just praise him together? Let's just worship him a little before we go. Oh, God. When I think I about the Lord, I worship you, Jesus. How he raised me. Thank you, Lord. How he saved me. How he filled me with the
loves me like you love me Jesus nobody loves me like you love me back in the realm of eternity when you were the only visible image the eternal had you were not even Jesus then but the son of God the Logos that little white light flickering around the father's door You loved us. You cared for us. When the Son of God become the Son of Man, and they hanged you upon the cross, and you spread your arms open this wide, you loved us so much, you become a curse, an outcast of the economy of God that you might make me accepted. All my life, Lord Jesus, I've always wanted to be accepted. I think all of us have that about us. It's funny, Carol and I was down in Kentucky last week and I passed by, by the little school, Monticello there, where I went to school. And I pointed over to my left as I was going down the highway. And I told Carol, I said, that's where I went to school. She said, high school? I said, no, elementary. And it's funny, I had a flashback. I can remember standing out on that playground back there as a little boy. No friends. Nobody liked me. We dressed poor and ragged because we were poor. Today it's style to have holes in your britches, but it wasn't style then. And I remember standing out there by myself, every recess, wishing I had a friend. That whole story, basically, I followed through my life. Wanted to be accepted. And then you called me to be a preacher. Then you sent me out among people. And then when I become accepted, then you made me draw the line and preach certain things. And the cycle goes on. I become rejected again. But really, in reality... My greatest desire for exception is to be accepted in your eyes. As a boy, I couldn't be accepted because I was poor. We lived out in the country. So we just country bumpkins, I guess they'd look at us and say. When I got up in high school, I was still poor. And I wouldn't cuss and I wouldn't look at filthy magazines, so I still wasn't accepted. My whole life is that, along with everybody else. But one day, I found him whom my soul loves. I was looking through the lattice, and I found him in the steps of the mystery of redemption. I saw his condescension going down the steps. I saw his reascending coming up the steps. And I saw the mystery through the lattice. I saw the way I could be accepted in the Beloved. And today, we are accepted in the Beloved. The world still don't like us. It hates us. We're not accepted among many message ranks. But we're maturing more and more and realizing that doesn't really matter. What matters is I'm accepted in the Beloved. And on the day of the body change, whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead, I will be accepted 
in the first resurrection. Praise God. So truly I can say, nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Brother Lord. Morning, I see you in the sunrise every morning. It's like a picture that you've painted for me. A love letter in the A story I could have had a really different story But you came down from heaven to restore me You forever save my life Thank you, Lord Like you love me, Jesus. I stand in all of your amazing ways. I worship you as long as I am breathing. God, you are faithful and true. Nobody loves me like you. Breaking down the weight of all my mind.